Welcome back to the Cardiac Exchange by Medtronic. You know, I think this is a good chance to segue a little bit. Let's segue into a different valve. Sanishi, what about the tricuspid valve? What about the data that we heard at the meeting about the tricuspid valve from the Mayo? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so to be honest, my impression, and also in the same session as my talk, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Sashio Kodali from Columbia was talking about some uh, clinical trial results as well. But uh, to be honest, I think there is a long way to go, um, you know, in terms of the transcaster tricuspid options. I mean, that's my just honest opinion. And then, um, I, I don't know. I, it, it's, it's, you know, some, it's, it's really controversial. And some people think that, that you know, there's no such thing, isolated the tricuspid surgery, but the, I don't think that's true. It is a, there's a long way to go. That's my honest opinion. But, but wait a second, let's back up a little bit. Let's back, forget about the transcatheter. What about a good old concomitant tricuspid? I mean, there was data presented there. What, I mean, where, did you, where do you come down in this debate? That's you know, also, does everybody I, I, does everybody deserve a tricuspid when you're fixing their mitral? Personally, I don't think so. I, I think it's really case by case, and then I think the cl clinical judgment, you know, in each case, and then uh, I don't think there's any uniform way to tell that that this patient absolutely needs concomitant tricuspid repair. But the, yeah, I mean, it's it's really individual decision making. That's that's. That's how I do, and then that's all I can comment, despite Tom, the data. Tom, what 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 do you do? You do you've seen the mitral valve once or twice. What what about the <laughs> other side of the mitral valve? You know, I, I think we try we sometimes oversimplify valvular heart disease. And for example, mitral regurgitation is a mitral regurgitation. There's DMR, there's primary MR and secondary MR, and the outcomes are very different. Uh, we know MS is not the same. You have rheumatic mitral stenosis and you have mitral stenosis from mitral annual calcification. Those outcomes are completely different. And for tricuspid, uh, I think it's very different if you have an isolated tricuspid valve replacement versus a concomitant tricuspid valve replacement in conjunction with mitral regurgitation. I think the second one, actually, I think they do relatively well in, in our hands and our experience. Um, you know, I have a low threshold to go in there and, and put a ring on the tricuspid. Uh, so what, what's your concomitant for... For concomitant, for in the presence of primary mitral valve disease, right. what's your threshold? concomitant tricuspid rate? Roughly. Uh, well, so I, my, my threshold is if you have a dil either a dilated annulus or if you have moderate uh, severe TR, I'll have a low threshold to uh, repair the tricuspid at the same time uh, through the right chest. Okay, and, that, you... and, and, and the rationale is that it doesn't add, it, to me, it doesn't add any more clamp time and it doesn't add more pump time because I do my mitral and then I take the clamp off and I can do the tricuspid with the clamp off. And, right? and, but, then, but, and then you're rewarming and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, okay. I, I think you walk away with a, a competent tricuspid valve. There's no reason to me, it, you know, there's, it's hard to imagine how walking around the good with a leaky tricuspid valve could be a good thing. Um, okay. But I, so let me, do you, do you talk to the patients about the six fold increase in a pacemaker? Um, yep. Well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, yeah. to me, that's, that's the flip side of the coin. It's yeah. not a freebie. Yeah, it's not a enough. freebie and you yeah. got to trade it back and forth. And I mean, the Mayo Clinic presented what less than 6% over 12 years of patients who went on to develop severe TR and their concomitant 
and their lack of concomitant population. So it's, I mean, it's, I think to me, the data, you can twist it any way you want and make a good story out of it. You can go with the CTS net trial results and say that, though you realize it's perhaps underpowered to differentiate between a large annulus and and no TR versus moderate TR. I think everybody agrees you have severe TR, you're gonna, you're gonna take care of it. But it's for the other side of the coin. Jessica, what do you do in your practice? Um, I do a bit like Tom, like if the analyst is uh, really dilated, I'm gonna do a repair. If uh, the patient has severe uh, tricuspid regurgitation, I'm gonna do it as well. Um, so, like you said, like for according to the CTS net, we should be more aggressive. However, according to the paper that was shown during the STS, so it seemed that not a not a big percentage would progress to severe, and we can maybe afford to observe the old valve. And after, if we have transcatheter option, decide to treat it with the transcatheter option in the future. So I don't think. The technology is there. Is it the proper technology, especially for the younger patient? But for I will obviously be less aggressive in an older patient for sure. But um, jury is still out, I think. Jay, Luke, did you go through the uh, posters? I, I did, yes. How did you organize that? Is There's just so much material there. Tom just piled it on. He made it like endless. And, and there are a lot of good nuggets in that. So what, what's your, what was your strategy for going through it? Did you pick a favorite uh, domain to go through? How did you do it? Yeah, um, I, I thought the website and the app were uh, phenomenally well designed in that you can star the ones that you're interested in. So I, I did go through most of the titles and um, if uh, I thought they were interesting, then I would star them and then I would filter it that way based on ones that had um, had audio as well, that made it easier to follow, um, as well as uh, browse through the posters themselves as well. It's, a, it's actually quite a nice way to see lots of posters. Uh, in a but you, usually you're doing the posters, you're eating your lunch and, and meandering through the, 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 the uh, billboard and you have the opportunity to talk to people. You get to meet other residents, you get to meet, see what they're doing at their institutions. I mean, uh, was there is there is there any social media value to having e-posters or do you think there's a loss or is there a way that that can be leveraged by you to contact other people, other residents? As you probably know, I, I love social media and I'm a huge proponent of it. So I definitely do think that there's a huge value in in social media and being able to bridge um, communication across borders beyond beyond our own specialty, beyond our meeting, um, and being able to truly reach a global audience. Um, uh, in terms of posters, there were lots of phenomenal posters and, and many were tweeted out um, on Twitter, for example, and shared um, to uh, followers uh, of attendees of, of the STS um, with the hashtag STS2022 for any listeners who are interested in, in taking a peek. and. Um, there was lots of uh, great discussion as well that uh, went on to uh, on social media uh, concurrently to highlight um, what the take-home messages were from uh, people who saw it, uh, whether on social media or or on the STS meeting. What was the best messaging? What was the best discussion that you saw? What was it, what was it centered on? Yeah, um, so there's there's was a, I found that there was a lot of uh, 
focused on on um, diversity and and as well as on wellness um, at this meeting, which is phenomenal. And and uh, some of the one of the posters that was presented um, that uh, that uh, uh, I, I thought was really well done was was one looking at uh, career progression and um, uh, for for women in cardiothoracic surgery uh, who are um, uh, there's women are quite underrepresented, but there's a increasing uh, proportion of women in in CT surgery, and it was a it was a study looking at at uh, at uh, progression of of women through the different stages of career as well as into leadership roles, and that uh, currently there we're having lots of residents in CT surgery, but there's a gap in terms of um, promoting them uh, into uh, leadership positions. Um, which I, I certainly do hope will improve over time. Uh, another uh, talk, which was uh, an on-demand uh, talk by uh, Dr. Hamilton um, from UCSF, uh, uh, of which uh, Dr. Nguyen is also an author on, which I thought was phenomenal, was, was looking at uh, the global makeup of cardiothoracic surgeons, um, looking at STS, uh, AATS, uh, EACTS, as well as the uh, ASCVTS, Asian Society of CV, CV Surgery. Um, which uh, demonstrated uh, the current practice environment and career stage of, of uh, CT surgery workforce across the globe. And uh, I thought set, sets the benchmark for, for where we are now and, and um, understanding who we are as, as a specialty and um, where we're going forward from here on. So I would encourage uh, all listeners to check those out. Okay. Jessica, what was your favorite poster? or a group of posters? Where did you focus poster-wise? I unfortunately uh, did not have time to look at the poster. I really focus on the live session, but just to come back a little bit on what Jessica was saying about diversity Uh and stuff, I think one of the, I think it's really important now to include in our research uh, sex and gender aspect. And uh, there was a really interesting paper on socioeconomic status uh, that could impact outcomes after mitral valve surgery. And there was really a difference between both groups that probably the the patient with lower socioeconomic status had um, access to less, um, the the, the centers that are uh, lower volume center or maybe not experienced surgeons and the patient that had the better outcome were the one with the higher socioeconomic status because they they could travel more and get access to uh, probably the best or more experienced surgeon as well. So I think that was a really, really interesting paper and and we should look at those stuff uh, as well when we are for now doing our research and study. I, I don't think you can underestimate that. Reading that and watching that sort of took my breath away. This is the, the magnitude of the difference uh, that was brought out there was 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 scary in a way. It was really scary. And it sort of it surprised me a fair amount uh, about access and uh, and how dramatic that was looking at something uh, as simple as mitral valve repair, mitral valve surgery, how it really was uh, socioeconomic. The impact it had on it was was pretty scary. I I agree with you. That was that was an interesting thing. Tom, are you allowed to say what poster section was your favorite, or do you, you have no favorites? They're all your children. They're all, they're all my favorite. But I want to again. I want to expand on that a little bit. I I, I think that uh, the social economic question makes us 
kind of scratch our heads a little bit and ask, maybe we're looking at it all wrong, or maybe we need to expand the way we look at it. Because we tend to look at gender, we tend to look at race, because those are easy things to look at. They're super easy to look at. It's hard to look at social economic status. But intuitively, social economic status may or may not play more of a role in outcomes than gender or race. I don't know. Uh, I don't know the answer to that, but, but it's worth exploring. And that's why it was kind of exciting to, to see that. Um, I want to kind of expand on, on, on Jess's comment on, on our paper a little bit there. And, and we were really lucky to have complete access to the entire SCS membership, to the entire EACTS membership, to the entire AATS membership, and then the largest Asian society, the ASCVTS membership. And we wanted to get an idea of a global workforce of all our major societies. Uh, a couple kind of major take-home points was that um, it's only 7% women out there. And you look at the average age, the mean age was 63 for everybody, but the mean age for women was 45. So, so women are younger. Um, uh, across the board, I think, you know, I think we're doing, oh, I think we need a lot of improvement, but, but interestingly, interestingly uh, the EACTS is probably uh, has a higher percentage of, of women uh, uh, that are entering their membership than, than some of our other societies. But it was, it was really interesting to look at and, and encourage you all to, to take, a, take a peek at it if you get a chance. Sanishi, what was, what was your favorite poster session? Uh, you know, uh, I apologize that I didn't review the, any posters, but, uh, you know, speaking of the, those gender diversity topic, uh, Universal Michigan Residency Program, we, we so the uh, female residents are greater than 50%. So, the, you know, and then um, we, you know, residents' wellness, their happiness, that's our priority. And then they all have their family, kids, and we can still, um, you know, train uh, cardiac surgeons. And then just based on my observation in my residency program, I can see that in the very near future, I think, uh, you know, those female cardiac surgeons will, you know, take a, a leadership role at uh, I think uh, many locations uh, all over the place. That's my suspicion based on my observation. I'm gonna I'm gonna go and volunteer what my favorite poster session ones. Of course, I looked at the robotic mitral ones, and uh, being that being my 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 uh, my area of interest, and I got I think there were there were some great papers from Atlanta, from Northwestern. And it sort of reinforced for the inter, a lot of the intracardiac stuff about techniques, about you know the option of uh, of uh, filibatory arrest when you need to use it in what cases. And uh, I thought there was a lot of good data, a lot of validating data in there. Um, and that that personally was my interest of, of what I went through the posters. I think the good news is you can go back to the posters anytime. How long are we going to have them, Tom? For people to go back look at. Oh, that's a good question. I I, I actually I don't forget. I, uh, I I don't have an exact number for you. But I think it's at least a month. At right? least a month for sure. Yeah. Right. So people can go through and you know last weekend or the weekend before was the meeting. You can still go through spare time and go look at them and sort them out and and, and uh, pull things up and do it that way. What What do you think next year, Tom? 
it, it, next year, hopefully, we'll be able to see each other in person and we will walk around the exhibit halls and, and rub shoulders and look at the posters together. Thank you for listening to the Cardiac Exchange by Medtronic. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe to your preferred platform. You can also get more info about today's podcast and upcoming shows at medtronic.com slash cardiacexchange. Thanks for listening.